Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What is up, everyone? Tuesday night, 8 p.m. So you guys know what that means. Another edition of the Buffalo Blitz right here on the Built on Buffalo Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter network. I appreciate and Lance, and I appreciate everyone that is tuning in at the moment. Comment section is open. We have a lot to get to, and we have a special guest coming on at around 8.30. So in about, if you listen on a podcast, in about 30 minutes, John Scott, Buffalo Bills beat reporter, will be joining us. We'll talk about the Jaguars game, the Bills trip to London, and we'll preview the Giants Sunday night football matchup. But Lance, how we doing, my man? How you doing? Uh, man, it's uh, never fun on a losing week to do any of this stuff, uh, but more so than the loss on the field. In the game were the losses of the personnel and the people um, that that sort of mean the most, or, or some of some of the guys are the literal heart because they're up the middle in times uh, for this defense. Um, but all told, the defense rallies, and we only give up 25 points and and lose the game by five. So there are plenty of things to take away. Uh, from the game, and we're going to get into that. But first, I want to tell you about Underdog Fantasy. Did you win your Underdog Fantasy pick'em this week? Did I see? I that? did. Or, I did. Nice. I hit three, three part, uh, pick slip there. Yeah, guys, Underdog Fantasy is awesome. Lance was about to get into, it, but like, use under use fantasy code uh, promo code Blitz. But I hit my uh, pick, and it was a Gabe Davis touchdown, which with a little spicy emoji. So it has a spicy emoji next to it. That means it has a little bit added boost, which means you can win more money. This is a five dot three legs, five dollars to win fifty two fifty. That's nice, pretty good. So I won. Absolutely. I won. Uh, I needed a help. Tarek Hill touchdown. Got that. Got the Gabe Davis touchdown. They should have gave me more money because he technically scored twice, even though caught it back and then he scored again. Uh, and then I, I totally forgot I had a Gabe Davis, and I was just happy that the Bills scored. And then I had Graham Gano over. Five and a half kicking points, I want to say, oh, and he got the ten. Yeah. He got the ten. Those things are so much fun, and that's why They're Underdog fun. Fantasy is one of the best or the best daily fantasy app out there because you have all the different props that you can uh, pick from, higher or lower, on a lot of different players. You got kickers, you got defense, you got offensive players. There's fantasy points. You don't have to yeah. get any sort of stat. You can just get a player. I had Stefan Diggs higher than 15 and a half fantasy points or something like that. And he went plenty and over that. So five. Oh, you know, you know, they also incorporated Lance recently live betting on underdog fantasy. Wow. You can, you can 
So like your normal player props, so let's say Josh Allen's over touchdowns, whatever his prop is. Live pick you, can go, you can go, yeah, live pick mid-game, and they'll give you an updated line based on what he's done so far and for every single player. So that's something cool. Second quarter, third quarter of the 1 o'clock window, the Bills game, whatever you guys are, whatever game you're watching, do it. So make sure you guys use code underdog, uh, underdog fantasy. Go to underdogfantasy.com, use promo code blitz for a hundred percent deposit match up to a hundred dollars but lance we got to get right into some bills talk and guys the comment section is open and john scott will be here buffalo bills beat reporter at 8 30 so in about 26 minutes john roberts in the comment section i think puna ford be active i think you're thinking right john robert lance where do we want to go f- start here where do you want to start what do you want to do here we you talked about milano injury. we talked about the daquan jones injury. Every, everyone knows how big of a loss that is we don't have to go on and on and tell people about that people know but where do you want to go from the actual gameplay uh from this bill's five-point loss yeah there's plenty of things to talk about here um i think the the mental sharpness and the discipline is where i wanted to start um i'm not going to make any excuses the Bills chose to travel when they chose to travel. And mm-hmm. whether that decision was right or wrong or not is not for me to say. That's what they chose. It's what they did their research on and figured was best for their team. So that's what they did. But I'll tell you this. Travis Etienne came out and said, we were much sharper. We were much more aware and physically capable. And that gave us a huge edge in the game. And he noticed it. And so I think that that tells you that this game was a little bit of a disadvantage. And I talked about this when the schedule came down, when the schedule came out. We talked about whether the Bills were going to be 12 and 5 or 13 and 4. And I said it all hinges on this Jacksonville game because when you're traveling out there and the Jaguars are already going to be there for a week ahead of time. you're going to have a tough time. And although the Bills probably are the better team overall, it just doesn't translate. Um, It didn't translate. The mental mistakes, the penalties, just simple things. There was a play where the the offensive line um, needed to block three defenders on the left side. And it was Dawkins, Connor McGovern, and Mitch Morse. Well, Mitch Morse went out to get the tackle, but Dion came up and blocked the defensive end, leaving the rusher free off the edge, and McGovern could not get back to recover and block that guy in time. What should have happened was Morse slides over to the tackle, McGovern slides over to the end, and Dion gets out and takes the outside guy. That's the way the coverage should have been, and it didn't happen. It was a lapse in judgment, and there were plenty of smaller and little things when you watch the film that could have been done just a little bit better, give people a little bit more time and have better execution. Um, so that's the first thing I wanted to, to talk about is, you know, we had a lot of penalties. Um, some of them were warranted. Maybe some of them weren't, but they were called and you can't, you have to live with that. So, um, you know, yeah. I think that that, you know, what do you have to say on kind of on that travel to London kind of that advantage that the Jaguars even said themselves they had. I mean, I think, you know, when ETN came out and said they had, you know, a, a pretty big advantage from that jet lag and and that mental sharpness standpoint. There, there's no, like you said, there's no excuse because the Bills chose to travel when they did. 
And I feel like every team has an explanation of like, or a reason why we travel and when we travel and every, every team's trying to figure out the best way. Uh, I don't know if there is, but you hundred percent get an advantage to the Jaguars for being there for a second week, but they won their first matchup against the Falcons last week. It's obviously it's, it's a different style of game. It's a different team, but the bills came out completely flat. Like you, you, you saw it right away. They didn't look sharp. They were lackluster. And you know what? Sorry, not the Bills, the offense. The defense yeah. showed up. The defense came to play. Uh, look, they give up an early touchdown. They go down 11 nothing. But you lose Milano. You lose Daquan Jones. You lose your heart and soul of your defense. Maybe your heart and soul of your interior of your defense. And you could have crumbled. But this defense gave this offense every single freaking chance to get back into the game and win this game. And right. I mean, it, the defense goes out and forces Jacksonville to punt right away. Yeah. On that third and, and one play, we got to run stuff right away. Exactly. Like, and they the Bills out, do nothing on offense. Do they come out, Bills come out, run the ball. It's, now, they it's, did get five yards. Then they throw a little dink to Stefan Diggs. All right. Third and two. Perfect. And now, third and two, can't James execute. Cook. To James Cook, and, and he dropped. You just can't execute. Was it a drop or was it a bad pass? I don't remember. I know what the play is. I don't really remember. But it's but Lance. It was sure one of those things I... where it was one of those things where like the offense just never got into a groove. Look, I thought that touchdown to end the half was like, oh, okay, we're gonna spark the offense. We're back in it. But then they come out in the second half, get a first down. I'm like, oh, we're around the forty, our own forty. And I'm like, okay, good play to Diggs. And then we absolutely we punt the ball. That Gabe Davis drop in the second half was critical. Uh, Allen overshoots Dawson Knox rolling out on a third down. The Bills were not clinical. They were not right. uh, clinical. The longest really drive of the game in time of possession was four minutes, 30 seconds, which was that um, play before halftime. You, they possess, they yeah. had, ran 11 plays for 86 yards, but only took four minutes and 30 seconds off the clock. No good That's drive. not the yeah. typical. I mean, it's still it's a great drive. I and mean, every time you put the ball in the end zone, it doesn't matter yeah. how much time. No, I get, I get the clock. But the point is, is that the defense um, was how good the defense really was without any sort of breath. I mean, the second half, you got a minute 26 drive. Jacksonville gets the ball for four minutes. A minute 30 drive. Jacksonville gets the ball for eight minutes. And then the, the defense still forces a fumble and punts on those. Bills get the ball back a minute 40. Now the Jaguars have a five-minute drive. Then the Bills come back. Now they actually give their defense a little bit of a break here. Three-minute and 40-second drive. But the Jaguars come back in a minute and score again. So just like the the defense was wore out. I mean, they they played so well given the, the personnel issues, uh, or not issues, but being down uh, personnel. I just think it was a great effort. Overall, by the defense, there was yeah. individual players that could have made game, individual dude. plays in different situations that were that could have been better. And, you know, we can talk a little bit more about that. But, yeah. you know, the mental sharpness on this offense has got to be better. They have got to be more aware and be more fundamentally sound and execute simple aspects of the game, you know, blocking the right player. Figuring out that I mean, Allen called out the coverage on the on that third and six play, or on I'm sorry, on that <clears throat> forget which play it was on that play 
where that I mentioned with Deion Dawkins blocking the end and not taking the outside most guy, Allen calls out the coverage there. And, and it should have been really plain uh, to see what, what should have happened. And for whatever reason, it just wasn't. And uh, it, it's unfortunate. Lance, if you go back to the scoring summary, right? You go on whatever website you're looking at and you go watch the game and you kind of dissect, dissect it. The Jaguars started early. They got 11 points, right? The touchdown, the Bills held them, the Jaguars to a field goal, 11-0. Bills offense does nothing in the first quarter. Takes them into the basically end of the second quarter to get on the board, 11-7. And you're like, okay, this sparks it. It wasn't until, so it's going 11-7 into the half. The Bills are down four points. It wasn't until the 7:44 mark of the fourth quarter. We were talking about 23 minutes gone of the second half where the Jaguars get to 18 points and the Bills are stuck at seven. That is inexcusable. That is inexcusable how talented this offense is with that quarterback, with those weapons, with the running back. It's just, it was. And then they, all of a sudden they score twice immediately. Like, all right, well, we're <laughs> like, how does that, I mean, because here's, here's the play. The Jaguars play a little too. prevent defense. This would be a good, a good uh, kind of point to bring this in a little bit. So this, the Jaguars just score a touchdown, okay? Is You've this got, the nothing part? Yep. So the, oh, the Jaguars just score a touchdown, okay? We've got great personnel here. Yeah. Okay, over James Cook. We've got a bunch here. Gabe Davis over here. We're going to motion Cook back to the backfield. There's no, there's no reason... I get what they were trying to do. So they, they end up calling uh, a corner post route with Kincaid and Knox. I'm sorry, with dig a switch route with Diggs and Knox. And then they throw the ball short of the first down marker. I thought he got it. To Kincaid. I think he could have got it. But the point being, this is part of the, the mentally sharp, the, the being mentally sharp here. Get toward, get further upfield to the, towards the first down marker. Why are we throwing the ball a yard past the line of scrimmage and, you know, run a route that is past the first down marker? No. Why are we running think, a route? I think, I think he got that. I, th- I thought he got it on replay, but that's, then, that's not well, then challenge it. Either way. I mean, I just, those are the things, the little things. These are no, your, your point all stand. things that added up no, throughout the game. And well, there's probably- there's plenty of examples of it, but I just think like I wanted to show that because I think it's it's relevant that you know these guys just it seemed like from the top down did not really they just I don't know what they were trying to do and, it was, and if it, it was, works they're we're calling them geniuses and since it didn't well, you know we're not but I just think it's it's very worrisome to me when you have the offense with the capability of the Bills offense to go out there and sputter. They cannot continue to start games slowly like they do. It, it's yeah. happened in almost every game thus far this year where the offense has started slowly, besides Miami. Did you um, get the feeling the Bills make made a couple plays, right? Like for a set for a series of offense, a series of plays. They made a first down, maybe even they got another first down, right? They got back, they got to midfield, and then it just completely unraveled. They did like, that pass to Diggs. Diggs yeah. catches the ball at midfield. First of all, Allen should have hit him in stride. 
that's a touchdown. Uh, but neither here or there. He hits him in midfield, Bill, he gets tackled. You think it kind of sparked something in the second half? It sparked absolutely nothing. They proceed to punt the ball. It, it, it sparked absolutely nothing. You needed one dang score in that third quarter, and I think you win that game. I really the do. Bills go, the Bills go like one for their first five on third downs. They were terrible on third down. Terrible. They were ter- yeah, they, they went one there. for their they went one for their first five and that brings you at that point into halfway through the the second quarter before they finally put the ball in the end zone and on that drive they picked up three different times on third down they picked up a first down so they typically operate around fifty percent um, or higher on third down conversion rate and they just they they just did not um they just did not execute on third down when it mattered the most and they didn't get behind the sticks that much i mean we're talking about third and six was the longer one of the of the five but there were thirds and two third and three why can't we execute on third down that was it it's seemingly that either people are not perfect. So we have to understand that and they're not going to make every play out there. And as good as these players are, and especially as good as the bills are, I think that, you know, you want them to make those plays, but it's just a matter of, <clears throat> they didn't get the job done this, this game. And even without, with as abysmal as that first half was, they then couldn't come out of halftime, get the ball and do anything with it again. Well, they, they had a nice play. They got a, they got to the forty yard line, give or take, and then I was like, "Ooh, we're sparking something. Something's gonna get going here." Nothing. And I want to bring another point. We're still talking about the offense, and look, I get it. The offense picked it up in the fourth quarter. It was a little bit too late. It was way too late. The defense was so gassed at that point. It was just we were losing people. Um, body like Milano wasn't there. Daquan Jones wasn't there. Uh, Taron Johnson came off the field for a bit. Kingsley Jonathan got nicked up a bit. It was just, it was just the defense just was gassed, and they were on the field for way too much, or in way too long for them to be competent towards the end of the fourth quarter. But sure. we have to talk about something that the Bills did really, really well the first three weeks that they have not done well the last two weeks. Last week they were good; they weren't great. It didn't run really the matter. They cannot. They did not run the football. That was a major, major, major issue. Josh Allen, four carries for 14 yards. Damian Harris, three carries for 13 yards. Latavius Murray, two carries for six yards. And James Cook, five carries for negative four yards. I and Lance, me and Lance had more yards than James Cook did on Sunday. That's an issue. Lance and I were sitting on our couches watching the game. That their inability to run the ball at all. Not even efficiently. Not they didn't even break out. Their, their longest run was by their quarterback Josh Allen for seven yards. Their longest run by a running back was six yards by Damian Harris. You have to be able to run the football. It was their their lack of creativity, their lack of getting maybe even too cute running the ball. You know what? Give me a dang end around. It's not working. Give me an end around. Where was the screen pass? Can I get a screen pass? Something was not working on this offense. And you know what I also want to bring to towards this offense? And I feel like I'm coming at Dorsey, but I'm really not because I think Dorsey's fine. I don't think he's really the problem. The play-action pass 
Josh Allen and Dan Orlovsky, who works for ESPN, is might have like money on if the Bills run a certain amount of play action passes because he loves to talk about how good the Bills, how many times the Bills should be running play action. The Bills' inability, the Bills' lack of commitment, not inability, lack of commitment towards the play action pass was uncharacteristic, was just downright terrible. I I have two stats for you, Lance. I have two stats for you. Play action passes this season. Josh Allen. I actually have two different graphics. Ready? Uh, Play action stats this year for Josh Allen. He's third in the NFL in completion percentage. This is all when he's doing uh, play action. Third in the NFL in completion percentage. First in the NFL in yards per attempt at 12.9. First in the NFL in touchdowns with five. First in the NFL in passer rating, 158.3. Josh Allen attempted just five play action passes from under center today or in, in London. These four pass, four of the five passes were 15-yard completion to Stefan Diggs, 18-yard completion to James Cook, 48-yard completion to Stefan Diggs, 14-yard completion to Dalton Kincaid. What are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing? Can I does anybody have Ken Dorsey's email? Can I email this to him? Like getting Josh the, the two things. The amount of times Josh Allen was in shotgun was unbelievable. And the amount of freaking shotgun runs we do is unbelievable. Can we stop running out of the shotgun? Lance, yep. bring up the do you have the James Cook player? We don't with that. Uh yeah, give me a second. I can try to throw it back. I'll up. keep rambling on about the freaking yeah. shotgun. Let me go through some of the comments. Uh, John Robert, three now too much. My girlfriend Jennifer was not able to watch. That's good because you didn't want to watch that. It was sad. Uh, we'll get we, we can talk about Kyrie, but Kyrie was a it was not a good performance by Kyrie. Uh, I do expect Christian Benford to play on Sunday. He was questionable heading into the London game. I expect him to play. We will find out more if he practices Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, how much of the offensive struggles do you think were in were Dorsey versus poor execution? Well, I would say it's a combination of both uh, poor execution and just some of the lack of creativity and maybe lack of going back to what works. It's this game was up for the tank taken. It wasn't like the bills got run out of the building. If right. it felt like they weren't in the game, just kind of that energy we didn't see from this offense. They were in this game. They were at 11, seven was like eight minutes left in the fourth. Like, it's unbelievable. Yes, and Dalton Conkade has concussion, so he's in protocol. And obviously, we do our show Tuesday night, so we'll find out more Wednesday and Thursday as uh, injury reports come out. Let's see. John Roberts asking, "What do you think shorter? What about what do you think about shorter and Specter be active?" I've heard nothing about Justin Shorter. I've seen some clips of Bill and Specter doing individual workouts uh, during Bill's practice but they still haven't been activated off IR yet. Um, and I don't think they will be this week. But Baylor Inspector is probably some guy you might need to give you some reps down the stretch. I don't know if Justin Shorter has a place on this year's team. We will see. Um, yeah, Matt's right. Running from the gun is worthless. It, worthless is a strong term, but it's it just it, it just didn't work. It just didn't work. It was very, very unfortunate. Do you have the James Cook play? Okay, give me the yeah. so Lance, paint the picture. Paint the picture before Oops, we go. That's not the right one. That's not. I'll paint the picture here. This is it was the first half, I believe. First half of the game, as Lance tries to figure out technology for the first time ever. 
second they run a lot of different they run a lot of the same formations and this was very close here it is second and one this is second and one guys they need a yard lance let it run look at how many jaguars are on the left side too i mean they're just overloaded to to that uh, on the right side the left side of your screen what are we doing what are we doing? Why, why are we running a slow pitch play on second and one? Yeah, this run is it forward. Look, there's this is also the time where on you the right probably... there's five, and then Cisco comes over, and makes it six. You're never gonna block that many guys. What do you like? No, there's... I don't know, man. Lance, this is also the time. That's poor design, right there. This is also the time to use play action. They think you're running on second and one, right? Drop. Give me a pass play here. John Roberts, right? No variety. There was no creativity in there. They sat in shotgun, and I know for us it's the left, but for the Bills it's the right side of the offensive line. They, yep. The Jaguars overloaded that, and the Bills still ran at it. They looked that play looked like a high school play, where you just you know what we think we're better than them. It doesn't matter. It does matter. It does matter. That was ridiculous. And you know what? What did that turn into? Third and six. You just went from second and one to third and six. All you had to do was just not lose yards. <laughs> and then it's third and one. And you just run it up the middle. I can't believe I'm yelling about a run game. Yeah, it's tough. I think that, you know, the, the run game is more execute because I brought up a comment earlier about um, offensive be- struggles being on Dorsey or poor execution and something we're going to ask John too, when he comes in here in just a few moments, he's just a little bit, uh, maybe five minutes away here. Um, it's a little bit of both. And I know that's kind of a dumb answer or, you know, a lame answer, but it's really true. I mean, Ken Dorsey dialing up a switch route on third and six with Kincaid in the flat there with, with the play we we saw like just run some crossers or run you know you need a six yard route you know there was no six yard route there there was a two yard route in the flat with Kincaid and everything and then Gabe Davis ran a 10 yard in route on the opposite side and Diggs and, and Knox are going downfield 15 20 30 yard routes Wait. why did you see my Dalton Kincaid tweet that I didn't know that many people cared about? Um, I didn't know that many people cared about my opinion about Dalton Kincaid. Uh, I tweeted this. When did I tweet this? Yesterday, I believe. Yeah, and I was just, I was just going. They just don't use one of their best skill players enough. It's, yeah. it's, and it's, that I think that um, you saw, you may have saw. Uh, if, if you're on Twitter a lot, you can may, you see Eric Turner going off on this point um, just before our show here. And I think it's exactly right because um, Kincaid's been open. You saw that play to Diggs against Miami was a touchdown for Kincaid if, if Diggs doesn't break that route up. And then, you know, uh, Allen finds Diggs for the touchdown instead of Kincaid. You've seen, I've seen Kincaid run across the field open numerous of times it's about where the play is designed to go and where josh allen's comfortable going with the football you know he's this is only week five guys this is not something oh i'm not um that that is not um you know they're still figuring some things out and and this is one of them 
getting the ball to Kincaid, when um, is the best time? And, and when are, what are the calls? What are there? Cause there's five receivers basically usually on every, on every pass play. Right. So there's options. And, and when does it become a priority to fit him in to getting the ball? And that's and, where I think it comes into when the offense is struggling when you know when do we say these are the guys now Diggs seems to be the one constant he's been getting his yards his stats every week he's been the main the consistent factor and honestly he is one of the most valuable players on this team i think from his attitude his leadership to his play on the field stefan diggs is proving why he gets so upset because he's putting so much into every game to go out and there and, and have people making mistakes that cost the team the game. And he's just not a fan of that, um, which I, which I can understand. And he also, he also knows this team's ability and what, what they can play up to and who they can be, because we have seen it. We saw it last week against Miami. We saw when everything gets nearly perfect, this team just drops 48 in a blink of an eye. They dominated Vegas. They dominated the commanders. And and we're talking about the struggles of this offense or first half, maybe the first three quarters of the struggle of this offense. And they were still in this game. Looks still like, had a chance. Uh, John's in backstage here, guys. So we're going to uh, bring him in and join this discussion a little bit. Hey, John, how you doing? Welcome to the Buffalo Blitz, brother. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Sorry. Brand new laptop given to me by work. And it's not allowing me to get on. So I had to improvise here. <laughs> You're here no now. Worries. That's good <laughs> Appreciate stuff. you coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. So, so we were just talking a little no. bit about, um, you know, the the offense, um, you know, how they've struggled. And one of the questions posed to us in the comments here that I wanted to get your um, thoughts on was what do you attribute to the inconsistency on the of the Bills offense? And we talked a little bit about third down conversion rate and how they were one of five to open the game on third downs. We talked a little bit about a, a play where, you know, they ran a route with Kincaid in the flat, a two yard route on a third and six and kind of that is it design. And, and, and just want to get your thoughts on what do you think um, maybe attributes to the, the struggles there? It's probably never just one thing, uh, but I would say one area that I feel is still lacking is Ken Dorsey's ability to pivot should things see some resistance early in the game. His ability to understand, all right, what we want to do, what we maybe plan to do is being stopped. It's the defense is adjusting. We're not grooving. So what is the pivot? What is the counter punch? What is, what is the next pitch that he goes to if the fastball is not working? And we saw that last year. I think that was one of the big issues in the back end was as a first-time play caller. He didn't have a good feel for the best way to counteract someone stopping what they what they want to do, their bread and butter. And you saw it in the Jets game, and part of it was also attributing Josh Allen acting like a wild man <laughs> uh, uncharacteristically. And then things were grooving the other three weeks. There was really not a point in those games where you're thinking, oh, here we go again. I mean, maybe a little early in the Vegas game. But beyond that, it was, all right, th there wasn't a lot of resistance. 
And then you get back into the Jacksonville game, and there, lo and behold, okay, things aren't flowing. A lot of three and outs early. Sam Martin's getting more work than we've seen all season. And it took them deep into the fourth quarter to seemingly find their counterpunch. And, and I'm not putting it all on Ken Dorsey, but to me, in general sense, that seems to be something that's carried over the most from a year ago is I just don't feel like maybe from a play calling and schematic standpoint, they're quick enough to have a counterattack when the defense is, is stopping what they want to do initially. And John. one of the things I always wonder about, sorry, Peter, to interrupt, but just continuing on this is how much of a factor is Josh Allen's decision-making at the line of scrimmage playing into that? Because he's obviously got the controls when it all comes down to it. He's going to call different audibles and different things to get these guys into the actual play they run when it comes down to it. So if he's seeing something, he's obviously an all-world player, MVP candidate every year, um, and he knows kind of what the defense is giving him. He's obviously the, the main point of contact here for, for getting these things called and, and getting, you know, the ball snapped to execute these plays. So, so what can he do then? I mean, he's, we saw Mike McDaniel, right. Come out and say, Oh, Tua kind of just did his thing and I'm not mad at it. You know, he called his own play, called his shot and he, he took it and, and it worked. So where does it fit in for Allen to kind of then take over and say, I'm sick of this. Let's do what I know is going to work here. Or is that part of the problem? I don't know because I don't know what the play calls are. I, I don't know sure, yeah. where where blame lies, but I'm sure it is a combination of things. I'm sure there's things that Ken Dorsey called that Josh checks out of and it doesn't work. I'm sure there's instances where Dorsey calls something, Josh gets out of it and it does work. And there's all sorts of things. There's the offensive line against the Jets, a very good front. They struggled against Jacksonville. They were getting pushed around. Osiris Torrance struggled maybe for the first time his rookie season there's all sorts of factors in here. There were some drops in the game against Jacksonville. There's a lot that goes into all of this. And I think Josh Allen does play a role, even though he's awesome. And I think yeah. sometimes fans in general, and this isn't just isolated to a Josh Allen, but they're slow to being open to being critical of the superstar quarterback or the superstar player it is okay to say that, oh, they did this wrong or they did this wrong, particularly in the Jets game. We all understand that that was bad, Josh, but that was obvious. I'm not saying Josh played bad in the Jacksonville game. I'm just saying blame is probably distributed in a bunch of areas for why the Bills offense isn't always humming. Josh Allen probably is part of it. Ken Dorsey's part of it. You'll hear the phrase, which is boring as heck, but simple execution is part of it. And it is yeah. probably true. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. True, even though it's not the fun thing to point your finger out of, well, this guy just didn't do their job and they either got beat or didn't get open or, or whatever. And we talked about that. Maybe Jacksonville did a really good job of disguising what they wanted to do. But on one play in particular that I saw, you know, Deion Dawkins, 
Connor McGovern and Mitch Morse had to block three Jacksonville defenders. Mitch Morse came out and got the tackle, but Deion Dawkins came up and hit the end. So McGovern would have had to try to backpedal to pick up the blitzing a defensive back, I believe. I don't think it was a linebacker, but it may have been. Whereas, you know, maybe, you know, being maybe that lack of mental awareness that they seem to have this game all day long where Dion could have come out and got that outside rusher and let McGovern come out and take the end would have made a smoother transition and, and caused less pressure on the play. Those kind of things seem to, to mount up throughout the game as well. And you hear guys like Dawkins often say after a game, you got to give those guys credit too. And that's another not fun thing to talk about that. Hey, yeah. maybe Jacksonville just schemed up really, really well. And they do have some good players there. Josh Allen is a heck of a football player. We saw it a couple of years ago in Jacksonville, saw it again in London this weekend. They have some good, talented players, and you saw it on offense. Yeah, Kyrie Elam got beat, but Calvin Ridley looked like the old yeah. Calvin Ridley as well. So there's a lot that goes into this, and that's why, especially since I will never consider myself a film guy. So there are some very talented people that do that, especially in the Bills realm. I'm not one of them, so I – I try not to dig too, too, too deep in guess, for lack of a better term. I just kind of call it on face value. And uh, I, like I said, that's where you can easily say offensively, if things aren't humming or, or it seems tough, there's a lot of reasons. But I think you could definitely point to the play calling and the execution of the guys on the field. John, I want to ask you about, obviously we talked about the offense, but one of the bigger topics coming out of uh, Sunday's game is probably the biggest topic, even bigger than the loss, the two injuries, obviously the Daquan Jones injury and the Matt Milano injury. Uh, we can talk on both, but where do you see the Bills kind of like it's tough to replace them? They're going to have to, but is it a Dorian Williams? Is it a Tyrell Dodson for Milano? And is it, I'm just going to go on a limb, is it like a Puna Ford and someone else that replaces Daquan Jones? How do they, how do you think they go about replacing both of those very key players? I think it's there's a bright spot, which there isn't because those two guys are maybe one and two in terms of most important guys on the defense. And Daquan Jones is that impactful. We saw it in the Cincinnati game. I think you saw it more easily this season, how disruptive of a force he could be on the interior. But what they'll do and what the timing allows is, all right, we're pretty deep. We have some guys that we think are in line to do this. Let's feel it out for a couple games. There's no urgency to say we have to find a guy who 100% without fail, without mistakes can play the weak side linebacker could fill in at the defensive tackle spot. They don't have to do that right now. I think as good as Daquan Jones is, you mentioned Puna Ford. the guy's been a healthy scratch more times than not this season. That's a position that has great depth. I think the, Replacing of Milano is certainly more complicated because you kind of saw it in the middle linebacker competition of, you know what Tyrell Dodson is. He's fine. He's solid, but he has limitations. And maybe Dorian Williams in terms of athleticism and ceiling, it's higher for him, but he's a rookie. And to me, if it was more, he's not in the right spot, I think you can work through that. But if Sean McDermott's talking about, they had to pull him because of missed tackles. Well, that's a different beast there. That's that's straight uh, fundamentals. And Sean is so heavy on the fundamentals, 
He's going to go more so with the guy he trusts that he knows, hey, it's not going to be perfect. Maybe you lose something in the pass uh, defense with Dodson over Dorian Williams. But if you can't get in the hole and stick them, then we're in trouble. And so I think that's where they may feel out, maybe I don't know, rotation, but I think it's not settled there where I think it's a little more simple on the interior where you just slide a Puna Ford in and he's now with that four-man rotation instead of Daquan. I saw the same kind of thing with Kyrie Elam, I think, too, where he just wasn't able to make tackles at, which I know you're a cornerback, so you're not necessarily a linebacker where you're going to come up and plug holes as much as a linebacker would. But Dane Jackson was doing the same thing on the opposite side where he was actually making the play and Kyrie Elam just wasn't able to do that. So I think that, um, you know, as much as people want to uh, rag on Kyrie Elam for his coverage, I think, you know, the main thing that I was more disappointed in was the point of attack and the inability to be effective at the point of attack um, where Dane Jackson was. Now, luckily, we get Christian Benford back hopefully this this week, right? And and then we can play Benford and Dane Jackson on uh, on the outside corners and have Elam, you know, get maybe some rotations or some spot plays. I hope he's still active. I guess for me, I'm not ready to give up on Kyrie Elam. I'm not saying he's – I heard someone on the radio today call him a miss, and I just – maybe he's not – necessarily fitting the bill of a first rounder but I think you know Christian Benford has played early and played well so we're okay if they kind of if Elam takes some time to develop and is more the track of a sixth rounder but Benford comes in and plays right away I think that you know that would be okay with me how do you feel about giving Elam some more time to develop he talked a little bit about on this show um, earlier this year, taking better care of his body and getting his body composition back to where he needs it to be too, to be able to play this at this level, at a high level. So I think that that's something to where he's still young. I think he can still uh, be have time in the system and develop, but I wanted to see kind of what your thoughts are. And I know I listened to you on uh, sales uh, podcast the other day where you guys were just sitting around the living room there and you kind of talked about how you got in some some heat with players, you know, talking about, players here and there. So I don't want to put you in any sort of spot like that, no. but, but I definitely um, just want to get an, an idea of like, do you think we could still have some time here, develop him and, and still let him grow into his role here in Buffalo? Yeah. Don't worry about it. Kai, Kai you're actually, and I, and most of the guys now I would say uh, those were exceptions of my past, but Kai and I have a good relationship. I sat down with him going into the third preseason game and he was really honest with me. And mentioned this was the first time last year that he's ever struggled in football. And to me, the challenging part of just overall with Kyrie is it's not for a lack of effort. That guy, I promise you, is the last guy out there working the jugs machine after every single practice that I've been at since he was drafted. So the guy is working super, super hard. And other guys have mentioned when talking about Tredavious White that Kyrie Elam is right there with him in a full sweat before a lot of the guys are even in the building. So where I struggle is he has talent. The effort is absolutely there. Why is this not working? And certainly, and he admitted it, but didn't want to go too far into it as an excuse. He's a press man corner who's been put into a zone system. And that has been an adjustment. But again, what some of my problem was I'm watching him Sunday They put him up against the line. He didn't jam him, and Ridley was still getting a release. And 
I just don't know. I'm not saying he's a bust, but I've heard other guys have had conversations with fans and whatnot of, well, if Benford is the starter and basically that makes up for as a sixth round pick, the first round pick, not hitting. I don't really look at it that way. And I just don't know what sort of development he's going to get without seeing the field yeah. as the, I mean, at this point he was benched for Jamarcus Ingram and he's like the fourth, fifth guy on the team. He's going to be always running scout team. I just, I just don't know the path for it to work here. It's why not because I don't think Kyrie Elam has the potential to turn this around and be a solid pro. It's why I thought that they should have traded him before cut day. I just feel like maybe a clean slate, yeah. see if you could get some value because now he sees the field, doesn't perform well. And now if he still isn't playing, other teams in the league are going to say this first round pick is not playing over a former seventh round pick, a former sixth round pick and an undrafted guy, Jamarcus Ingram. I mean, what are you going to get for him? So he's just going to yeah, sit yeah. there. And what sort of depth is it if you can't even trust him? Yeah. So um, I like Kair a lot. I think he's a great kid. I don't fully understand because, like I said, he's talented. He works super hard. Usually those are the two things that jive, yeah. and you should be good. Um, it just hasn't worked to this point. It's 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 very disappointing. Obviously, we had him on our show over the summer, and he was, he was great. So Lance and I kind of potentially have a soft spot for him, which is yeah. not always great when you're evaluating people's play on the field. But he was nice enough to come on our show, so we kind of have a soft spot for him. And obviously, people look at his age. He's 22. Uh, he's, I'm in college right now. He's younger than me, uh, by a couple months. So it's kind of one of those type of things where you still see the potential, but I agree. Like he's in, he probably is in the wrong system and that's unfortunate for the bills, I guess, front office when they drafted him, where they thought they could make the switch for him to become more, uh, or can, uh, excel in a, a zone scheme like the bills run, but that's probably the bills lack of, I guess, it was a miss in the draft pick because based off what he did well, the bills don't use and don't do. So and you traded assets up to get him, right? Yes. Yeah, you moved up a couple spots. That's not the end of the world. But John, I want to ask you about this. Another topic that people were talking about: the travel to London. Uh, it was and no, it's no, it's not an exact science. No one has it down clearly. Do you think if and I you know, obviously this is not your area of expertise, but. Did the travel have an effect? Did, should the Bills have left on a Monday, on a Tuesday? Where do you see yourself on, on the on the travel debate? I think that we've kind of seen what, how long have they been going to London? Just the NFL in general, a decade. I think you've yeah. seen it all sorts of ways. When the Bills went uh, about eight years ago, they went the entire week. They also stunk for the first half of that game against Jacksonville. They didn't look any better for being there a week. It's a different team. Wasn't as good as this one, but there have been other teams that have been, gone out there on the later portion of the week. They've played fine. There's been others that have gone for a week or whatever. I think it's reasonable. And I think this is what Roger Goodell was discussing of maybe it wasn't fair that Jacksonville's there for two weeks. Right. So they definitely are acclimated to the time and everything like that. And then a team just comes in, even if they come in for the entire week, it's still an advantage for the Jags. So maybe that's something that you could point to, but I would maybe give that what the first quarter they stunk for the first two and a half, three quarters. So to me, I think it's really just 
reaching for something that takes us away from just being honest and saying they were out coached and they were outplayed. They just didn't just didn't have it. And sure, there's probably some factor that played in it, but I think it's minimal. And I just think that again, it's trying to find an excuse beyond just what's right in front of you and just accept that your favorite team stunk for a period of time and that's okay. Um, I think maybe they would go out, I don't know, maybe a day earlier. I don't really know. Um, but, uh, I don't put much credence into the idea that the travel is the reason the bills were dominated for, you know, three quarters of that football game. Exactly. Cause you come out of halftime now having scored a touchdown right before the half, you basically, you kind of garnered now the momentum on your side, right? You would think that they would have every bit of adrenaline running through their veins at that point. And now I know halftime sitting down for a minute maybe um, takes that a little bit out of it, but then you get the kickoff and you just do nothing with the ball for two drives in a row and your defense goes out and and even gets you a turnover in one of the Jacksonville drives. And so it was just, it was very disheartening because you thought, at different points in the game, all right, this is when they go. This is, and it wasn't until the game was kind of out of reach and they were down two scores that they were, or 11 points that they were actually able to then flip the switch and go and score back to back. But then, you know, the defense was gassed at that point, and now you're, you know, giving up points to their offense as well. So just kind of, again, it's week five. We've got 13 more weeks to go. I think um, I, you're spot on with that. I was telling Peter before we got on here, you know. It's it's week five, man. We really um, I, I don't like the loss. It was a very disheartening as a fan um, kind of kind of game to watch. Um, but although two guys who may miss and, and maybe, you know, a little bit more about this than, than we do. Um, I, is there a chance we see Jones or Milano returning for the playoffs or are they? I mean, from what I understand, it's a leg fracture for Milano with maybe an MCL sprain. I haven't seen anything on the ACL side of things. So do you have any understanding of, you know, is it possible that either of those men come back for the beginning of the playoffs or maybe if we make it to the divisional round? Monday, McDermott simply said out indefinitely, both will require surgery and wouldn't go as far as saying done for the year. I mean, similar to Micah Hyde last year, they're obviously not the same injuries, you just never know. You never know. Some of these guys, they're such freaks of nature and physically that their bodies, amazingly enough, I don't really know how, seem to heal in certain instances faster than the, the average Joe, like any of us here on this yeah. show. So the peck with Daquan Jones is probably maybe a more likely scenario of someone that could come back than, than maybe what Milano's dealing with. But as you said, I mean, who would have thought Micah Hyde has a neck injury and could have played by that point? I think anything is open, but I wouldn't be optimistic about it. Maybe it's just like, again, Mike Hyde, it could be something where, oh, shoot, I didn't even think this was possible. And boom, you make it to the AFC Championship game or the Super Bowl. And one, if not both of them, uh, somehow finds their way back. And and the good thing with I'm not a doctor and I love all the Twitter doctors. It's <laughs> it's awesome. I'm not trying to discredit anybody on Twitter, but it's funny. Uh the good thing for the Milano thing, if he avoids the, the ACL tear or the MCL tear, uh, 
then obviously a leg fracture could keep him out for the year, but it's not one of those things where you have to worry about next year as much where a leg fracture just heals itself and he'll be back in a couple months. I the most what I've seen online and for most people is that if you're gonna bet on someone coming back this year, it would be like you said, the Daquan Jones potentially coming back sometime in the playoffs. Uh but obviously you don't wanna I don't want to no one wants to speculate and none of us are yeah. Twitter. None of us are Twitter. None of us are doctors. Uh Lance, you want to get to some Giants talk? wrap up the show yeah we got a uh, about 10 pen or so minutes here and and uh, as long as you can stay with us here um we'll, we'll we'll take it john so let us know um you know the the giants obviously are coming in to week six um struggling mightily and um and the bills uh kind of can really get right this week i feel like and uh you know, silence a lot of the critics. I feel like every loss that the Bills have, um, people are talking about, oh, Bills Mafia is quiet or not quiet or whatever the case may be. And I, I think it's funny. Um, so with this game, and I'm trying to figure out why the hell this is going, but anyways, um, driving me nuts. So with this game, I guess the biggest preview thing I wanted to say with this is the, the Bills definitely have to – they're 14.5-point favorites here. If you want to see a uh, fan base get really annoyed at a team, if the Bills don't come out this week firing, it's going to be a little bit of, of a head-scratcher. So I think, um, you know, the key to this game really, w- when it boils down to it, is is the Bills need to come out here – and, and lay it on the giants and they need to make this game fun for the fans to be there, especially a home game. Um, I'll be there. Uh, obviously John, you're going to be there. I'm sure. And, um, I think that being 14 and a half point favorites says that, boy, this, this game should be really, really lopsided. I just think it needs to not have a lot of resistance similar to the Washington game, the Vegas game, I, Miami was just wild and, and that's yeah. a different beast. But mm-hmm. to me, it's if they're methodical, let's see the offense. It could be eight minute drives, seven, six minute drives, and maybe they only put up 28 points, 31 points, or whatever it is, because they're just doing long, sustained drives. The running game gets back going. You just yeah. want to see the wheels greased up and turning with ease on offense. And defensively, uh, you need to see if Saquon Barkley's back, if Daniel Jones is back. They haven't looked good regardless of if those guys are out there anyways, but that's certainly with right. Barkley in particular. You also have to understand this is the first week of these guys as a defense operating without the two huge losses that we discussed. Second week without Tredavious White. Is Christian Benford back? So it's maybe a feeling out process for the defense that if depending upon who's in there, there might be some mistakes. I think especially that, that linebacker position, whether it's Dodson or Dorian Williams, it, it may be a, a moment or two of, oh, okay, that guy wasn't in the right spot or that guy missed the play. Same could even be said for Dane Jackson, Dane Jackson or Christian Benford. They're solid players. That's a great place to have depth if Dane Jackson's coming off the bench. You just never know with these guys. So mm-hmm. to me, you just want it to feel a little easier, not be one of these where it has to be a 30 point win. You just have to say there was never a doubt. And, and to me, they need to just look more efficient, polished yeah. and, and more like the bills. 
it's it's like the commanders game, right? Like they didn't play their best game on offense in the commanders game, but they won 37 to three. And you never thought in any point of that game, you're like, they're going to lose or this game's in doubt. It's one of those games where you're just like, and it's also one these are, you're playing a team that's reeling in the giants that even with Saquon Barkley or without, and Dable didn't really seem, I don't know, too confident, but he didn't really give much on today or if, if it was yesterday on Barkley playing this week, but the giants have, an abysmal offensive line, and that might be a nice way of saying it. Uh, it's it's not great, and they've given up 18 sacks in two games. And we're talking about a Bills pass rush, even potentially without Gregory Rousseau, uh, that is just is feasting at the yeah. moment. With the, you've got with Von Miller offense. coming back in game yes. two now with Leonard Floyd. I think that that combo and AJ Epinesa, boy, yeah. uh, kind of fit the bill. Everyone was calling for him to come out and, and stand out in that game, and he did nothing short of impress. Uh, even beyond what I thought uh, he could do, even if he was had a great game, I thought he he went beyond that. I thought he played about as good as you could ask um, from your third or fourth defensive end here. Um, so what I really like to see, or I guess the the one thing for me is we have three starters out on defense, but my main concern is with the offense. As crazy as that may seem, and I think that it is. Um, we're going to need to beat people with offense. I think that I've wanted to be able to be that team to beat people on offense, regardless of what the defense is doing that day. And if the defense is good, then you win by more. But you always have, um, to me, I, there's no, for me, I really would like to see, you know, obviously the end goal is to, is to win a Super Bowl for Buffalo. That's one of the things that a fan is always going to, is always going to want. But even to have Josh Allen go out there and win an MVP award is still pretty cool for the city of Buffalo, I think. And I think days like last week are what prevent him from winning MVP awards. Even though he put up a bunch of stats, the offense didn't operate enough to get the job done, to get the win when they needed the points the most. They got the points sort of in their garb in sort of in crunt, you know, it's garbage time almost at that point when you're and, and yeah, they had every chance to to take that game, but just you know, if they would have scored one drive sooner, that game's totally different. The good thing is there's a lot of defining moment games down the stretch here, and, and that's oh, yeah. where the Jacksonville loss, not great, but you already put up good numbers. New York loss, not great, but. He just needs to play well, and they need to win. They still have everything in front of them when you face Cincinnati, regardless of what you think they are, and they look better this past weekend. Mm -hmm. Kansas City, Philadelphia, Dallas, the Dolphins again. There's a lot – Chargers. There's a lot of moments, and then we obviously understand they play a lot on national TV where Josh Allen can still be Josh Allen, the Bills can still be the Bills, and he could still win that MVP. I think the one issue is that for him – to win the MVP, I think they maybe need to be the one seed because the Bills are that's the expectation here. Now he could if they don't win the division, but I'd find that hard to believe. I feel like if they're not going to win the division, maybe Tua is someone that could could win it, Patrick Mahomes, whomever. You know, there's a bunch of candidates out there that that yeah, there, there's <laughs> there's a bunch of guys that could do it. So um long ways to go, but I just agree with you in terms of the offense. There is no reason this Bills offense that I'm not saying there's no reason they should not score 30 every week. There's no reason that it should be this tough really ever, in my opinion, 
There's too many weapons. Your quarterback is way too talented that there shouldn't be long stretches like we saw against Jacksonville and, and even against the New York Jets where the Bills just can't get it going. They're just too talented, too deep, and led by arguably the best quarterback in football. Yeah. And yeah, they make it too complicated on themselves sometimes. And, and the offensive line's playing better than I think we all expected, even though they took their lumps in the Jets game, they took lumps in the Jaguars game. But I think all of us would have taken this offensive line play through five weeks. But if, I don't know if you guys saw this today. ESPN's F, uh, Football Power Index, I believe it's called, uh, ranked the Bills at number one so far uh, at this point in the season. People in the comment section did not like that uh, on Instagram and Twitter. But I'm not, I'm not saying they should be the number one team in the league. They Probably are not based off how the 49ers and how the Eagles have played this year. Definitely the 49ers. But it's not everyone's given up. Vegas is clearly not given up when they're 14 points, 14 and a half point favorites. Even over the one and four Giants, 14 points in the NFL is an absurd, absurd amount of points. We're not, it's not college football. So it's one of those spreads where you're just like, okay, so Vegas clearly still believes in the Bills. But I agree, they make they make it sometimes they make it too hard on themselves and I know they shouldn't. They don't have to score thirty every week, but we shouldn't have the type of game we had in the Jacksonville where it took them three quarters to wake up, and they had every chance to win that game. The Jaguars didn't score. Uh, they had scored eleven points early. They didn't get to eighteen until halfway through the fourth. Like it yeah. took them Jaguars forever to get going again, and the Bills just were like, you know what? We don't really want to score until we're down. One score on a, one of the earlier possessions is all it would have taken for that well, different kind of beating that beating that dead horse. Uh, enough i think but um it's still a 12 or 13 win team here in buffalo i think that um you know you're three and two here through five games um five was it four maybe four very winnable games ahead of you now um as you mentioned before we really get into the the gauntlet where you're going cincinnati philadelphia and kansas city in like a four game stretch i believe so um which I'm excited for because I'm going to be in Cincinnati. I think it's going to be a great atmosphere. I hope uh, the turnout is a lot different than la- last year when we were there. Um, I was there for that as well. And it just uh, uh, going back um, is exciting. It was a great atmosphere pregame in Cincinnati. So I'm looking forward to getting back. But um, typically here, John, and you can excuse yourself from it if you wouldn't like to do this, but uh, we like to give our, our score predictions for the game. Um, I was able to get one right. Uh, Earlier this year, I called called the dead nuts on, so I called it a blind squirrel finds a nut moment for me. Uh, I was very excited about that. But uh, do you care to uh, partake and, and give a prediction for for uh, Sunday here for the Giants game? Well, uh, sure, I'll, I'll play ball. Uh, I will say uh, 38-7. We'll say that. Why Ooh. not? Um, I think. The weather maybe is going to stink, so maybe it should be a little lower, maybe like 31. But off the top of my head, I'll go the 31, 35, 38, like in that range. Mm-hmm. But I'm only giving the Giants seven. I love Dabes. I love him. He's honestly one of my favorite people in 15-plus years in television. I love him so much. It sucks that things are going for him the way this year, unlike last year. But, yeah, I, I think it's the Bills' day. Lance, what do you got? Yeah, I'm on the same track there. I think uh, 34 to nine, uh, Bills victory. I think the the Giants get three field goals in the game, and that's about it. And uh, you know, the Bills get right. It's a get right game. I think it's set up perfectly for the Bills to go out and execute and uh, just 
they're that they're way more talented. They, they need to, whatever scheme or any other questions that they may have needs to go out the window. They just need to, to play now, beat the, the, the man across from them. They're each matchup that they'll have gives them the opportunity to be able to do that. So I think that's uh, what we need to see. Like we said, no, I'm, I'm on the, I'm on the train with you guys. I got 31, 13. I think the giants, Two field goals and a touchdown. It could be gar- it could be a garbage type touchdown, whatever. But I think I agree. It's a get right game for the Bills. I think they're at home. It's Sunday night football. I kind of feel bad for the national audience, potentially, maybe, that has to watch a potential Sunday night football uh stinker. Uh it's tough because we're gonna have you get Broncos Chiefs on Thursday night football, and then you got Bills Giants on Sunday night football this week. So a couple prime time games that potentially could be uh well, it's even though Denver's Offense is a little better. Their, their defense is abysmal. But yeah, I got 30. I got Bills 31, Giants 13. Okay. Thank and you. And for John. the audience out there, John, we, we really appreciate yeah. uh, having you on here. So if you wouldn't mind, uh, tell everyone where they can find you and, and where uh, they can best consume all the content that you're uh, putting out there. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. I see Picasso's. My wife and I actually got Picasso's the other night. It was. It was super yeah, good. So I live shout in Lancaster, out to- so I'm uh, I'm right down the street from their Lancaster location. So. Yeah, it was Dangerous. it was uh, super good. I dive, I digress. Yeah, uh, I'm on Spectrum News One, Buffalo, actually all across New York State, and um, we have the Buffalo End Zone podcast, which will tape one go for the Giants game. Going into it, we'll tape it tomorrow night. YouTube page Buffalo End Zone, and then we have the Buffalo End Zone post game show immediately after the game on Spectrum News. You get live interviews from the podium which is mcdermott allen and a lot of other guys plus i'll be in the locker room as well and you'll get my thoughts kevin carroll and former bills running back fred jackson also part of the show so uh yeah follow us there and obviously talking a lot about the injuries brian dable's return and, and a lot more hoping to sit down with another guy who's being thrust into action because of some of these injuries this week and i'll have all that as well great is there anything the else you want to say about this Giants game that we didn't get to. I, I feel like we, we kind of were short on the Giants stuff. So just one more opportunity before we get out of here, if there's anything else uh, you want to add in on, on what, what to expect from the Giants. No, I, like I said, I, I think it's, they're a big difference offensively, obviously with Saquon Barkley or Matt Breida, nothing against Matt Breida, but he's not Saquon Barkley. And as bad as their offense has been, Saquon Barkley is an incredible talent and even by himself he can make that offense a little more challenging to deal with it not to the point where i think the bills should have any concern of losing the game but that's just something to keep an eye on beyond those of us like myself who have him on a fantasy team or two uh but beyond that i just think it's it'll be cool to see the reception that brian dable gets because again he's a buffalo guy Mm -hmm. he is beloved i think by a lot of guys a lot of guys on that team love him and I always joked with him, his press conferences, he sucked. He was so boring. It was straight out of the Belichick tree and boom, the camera goes down and you, he'd be a completely different guy. I love him so much. He was so fun and I uh, was super happy for him last year. And hopefully uh, things turn around for him and Joe Shane, another guy that, that I have great respect for and like a lot. So should be fun to, to get those guys back in town. Obviously Matt Breida, Isaiah Hodgins, Boogie Basham. There's a whole slew of them over there that have Bill's connections as well that, that I hope everyone, uh, you know, welcomes back with open arms, even in the heat of competition. 
The boys are back in town. Yeah. Thank you, John. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks, guys, for having me. So, that guys, that's going to do it for tonight's show. We'll be back next Tuesday at 8 p.m. If you did miss this episode, you can always rewatch it on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter. Appreciate everyone that was in the comments section. We appreciate John. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. And if you did miss this episode, you can listen to it tomorrow morning, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get your Built and Buffalo podcast network. Lance, before we get out of here, who are we sponsored by? Yeah, we're sponsored by Underdog Fantasy, the best daily fantasy app and platform in the world. Um, promo code Blitz right now will get you a deposit match. I believe new users, they're running a promo up to 500 bucks now. Yes. Um, so 500 bucks uh, pro, uh, deposit match. If, if you deposit 500, you'll get 500 back. Or if you deposit less than that, you'll get whatever you deposit back as a match. And uh, daily pick them or uh, daily fantasy. You have drafts, you have pickums where you can, you know, pick um, a slip of three to five uh, items and you get money the same day. So it's really a cool uh, way to play daily fantasy. It's a little bit um, of a different feel than than your normal draft a team and see how they do. So that pickum app really gives you a, a good twist to the daily fantasy. So go out there either underdogfantasy.com or the underdog fantasy app and uh get in the game right now yep underdog fantasy use code blitz everything will be in the description that is going to do it for us hopefully you guys enjoyed john his uh thoughts on the bills trip to london and a little bit of the giants preview hopefully you guys enjoyed our first half of the show and if you guys did miss this you can always rewatch it or listen to it on the audio platform that comes out tomorrow morning like I said, we'll be back next Tuesday at 8 p.m. We'll recap the Bills Giants Sunday Night Football, and we'll get you guys ready for Bills Patriots the following weekend. He was Lance. I was Peter, and this was the Buffalo Blitz. And as always, go Bills. Go Bills. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.